Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First-Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan Jr. And this cat will be in Fort St. John tomorrow. I'm leaving at 8.30 a.m. going to fly out, spend the weekend in Fort St. John. We're going to do uh, the Crystal Cup. Well, we're going to. It's called the Crystal Cup. Lots of minor hockey teams, lots of hockey fans in general. We're going to have lots of events. Uh, over the course of the next three days. And uh, I'm back here on, what, Sunday night? And Bob's your uncle. I'm looking forward to getting back out there. Uh, Fort St. John, B.C., of course. Was uh, in the league when I went to, when I went to Cornell, B.C., uh, way back to play Junior A. They had a team in the league, Fort St. John Huskies. And they were they wore big black uniforms and they were like really intimidating. They had a guy Grant Job, I remember him. A few there was a there was a few potskins. There was a couple of potskins up there, tough guys. It was a tough league, and I always had this like, well, I was fourteen, or like one of my first games were up there, and I had this idea of Fort St. John like it was just a bunch of gangsters and killers, you know, just killers. I mean, like tough guys. And um, went back years later to play senior hockey with the Bentley Generals and uh, just had a great time. Went back a couple times since as well for one thing or another. I think one of these events, actually. But anyway, it was I like Fort St. John, B.C. is a good Newfoundland representation there. Uh, it's northern B.C. They love their hockey. And uh, I am really, really looking forward to this weekend. Uh, I got Andrew Raycroft coming on. So we're going to, uh, I'm going to go on Andrew's pod. It's called the morning brew. And, uh, he asked me to go on. So I said, why not? Let's trade. So, uh, I'm going to record this here now. And then, uh, tomorrow we're going to have Andrew on. I only got a half hour, which sucks, but I just got so much to do before I leave. Uh, that, uh, you know, either I get the pod in later tonight with Andrew or while I'm on the road. Either way, we're going to have a volume one and volume two. This guy's got an interesting story. I want to ask him so much. 
Calder Trophy, NHL's Rookie of the Year with Boston. Right? I mean, that's some pretty select company. Well, I guess there's only one a year. But best rookie? Uh, I'll have to ask him. Was it the Michael Ryder? I wonder who he went, who he uh, beat out that year. I think it was Ryder's first year. But anyway, he's just a fantastic goalie. Uh, I really want to ask him about the mental side of the game. Remember that when he got traded for what it would end up being Tuka Rask? I wonder do Leafs fans still... Do they hold that against him, even though it wouldn't be his fault? Like, There's so much that goes into the dynamic of being a goalie and how you mentally prepare. Physically preparing is one thing. you got to be limber. and God, I remember looking at the physical routine of pregame routine of like Jose Theodore, Thomas Vokun, Jocelyn Thibault, Brian Boucher, some of the goalies I came across. And, you know, there just constantly seems that they're working on something. But, you know, it's more more often than not. You know, you've got to really, you got to be strong mentally. And look at some of the goalies that, I mean, let's just say this here, okay? Let's say Jack Campbell, let's say, uh, Samsonov there in Toronto. Uh, Campbell, I guess, is still in the minors. Uh, Samsonov, hot and cold. He's been more hot lately. But, you know, it's in them to be great goalies. Campbell was an all-star just a couple of years ago. Ilya Samsonov, I, I thought he played fantastic down the stretch last year for Toronto. They needed him. Uh, the playoffs as well, I don't recall... Yeah, I, I I seem to remember Samsonov playing very well. I should know the difference hosting a fucking radio show that has to do with hockey. But no, I mean, he was pretty solid last year. You know, he's a first-round pick, played in Washington. Even when Washington Capitals were down on him, you know, there's obviously a huge upside to this guy. But most of it, I think, is between the ears. And like he said this year, you know, when he went down, he said, most goalies, you know, when they need a break, or it, it's usually mental, right? And I really want to... I want to dissect that with Andrew Raycroft because he would know from both angles. Um, and, you know, how is it to be a goalie? Like, I remember being nervous to play left wing on the fourth line, get the puck dumping in, right? Just get it dumping in. You can kind of, what's the word? You can kind of blend in. But for a goalie, right? I mean, Andrew was playing in Kingston in the OHL in, I don't know, what, April? And like five months later, he's in the NHL. And uh, I believe the circumstances were that they had two, that the Bruins had two or three injuries. And Andrew would have had a decent camp. We'll ask him about that too. But I, I, I just can't imagine being 20 and being the goalie. Like, you know, it's one thing to play wing. And like I said, blend in. Uh, and, you know, he played 72 games one year. That's got to be the last of that kind of philosophy, is it? Remember coaches would do that all the time? I think Mike Keenan was big on it. And I don't know. I'll ask him what he prefers. Maybe some goalies want to play 70 games, 80 games. Uh, he played with Patrice Bergeron. They came in at the same time. That would be interesting. Uh with Mike Fisher. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to having Andrew Raycroft on. And by the way, big shout out to the uh, Brockville Braves and the Brockville 
committee there of the Winter Classic that had me in this past weekend. It was an awesome time. And uh, my daughter, if you've been following along on Instagram, my daughter and I went to Orlando. We were supposed to come back on the Monday. I was leaving to go to Brockville on Thursday. So we were supposed to come back on Monday. And I said, you know what? Let's stay in Orlando an extra day. So we stayed down. But then, then, of course, our flights on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday got canceled because there was weather uh, in, in eastern Canada. So we flew into Montreal. We waited a day. And... It, this was Friday. So I said, you know, I got to get to Brockville. I sent Penny Lane on her way home. She got on the flight by herself and uh, spent some time in Brockville, but I only had clothes for Orlando packed. I didn't have any gear. So thanks to everybody there that helped me out. My feet fucking killed worse than, worse than what? I, I, I don't ever remember my feet killing that much because if they did, I'd just take the skates off. But in this situation, you know, it was a, Saturday was 10, 10 o'clock to 5 o'clock, an all-day outdoor hockey event. Everybody was guaranteed two games, and you go on from there. And then the next day, there was a alumni, you know, they, the alumni, alumni Winter Heritage Classic, they call it. It was all the Senators, alumni, Alexandre, oh, God, uh, Jesse Winchester, Chris Neal, Jason York, uh, Robbie Murphy. There were... Uh, Oh, Brian McGratton. There was, you know, these guys are great guys too, man. Like, I, I wasn't really sure. I didn't know all of them going in. I knew Ally Afraid he was there. Todd Gill, I've done some stuff with them. But me, Al, and Todd were kind of the outsiders. Everybody else was uh, Senators alumni. Liam McGuire was there to, uh, and I shared the stage for, for our interview portion with Alexander Digg. And, and uh, Digg ended up driving me from Rockville to Montreal. My flight was out of Montreal, and he was going that way. And had a great conversation with Alex in the car. Probably the highlight of the whole weekend was the two- or three-hour conversation in the car with the Dago, the man they call the Dago. And by the way, he's got an awesome, there's a new documentary on Amazon Prime called The Chosen One, and it deals with Alex and his career on and off the ice. And It's just fantastic, and the guy's... Uh, Real interesting, down to earth. Didn't, you know, I could have gone on and on. It was I, 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 I'm so interested in his story that uh, I was asking a lot of questions. But he was, uh, he was good about it. And underrated. Never understood it. People say, "Oh, Alexander Dig the bust." Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. Bust. I'd say that about myself. But Dig had like 20 goals three or four times. I mean, I okay. He didn't do what people thought a first-rounder or, or first-overall pick was going to do. But I really stopped short at the word bust. And after all that pressure was off, Alex, well, you'll see. But, you know, in his later years, he went to Pittsburgh. Then he went to Minnesota and had a couple of real meaningful years. And then finished it off over in Europe. Got a wife that he loves, three kids. We're all uh, almost. He's got a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 16-year-old. I'm going to say they're all almost teenagers. But they are, I suppose. Uh, and, yeah, just got a real interesting life. So I was pretty, uh, I was pretty happy with, with the way that my trip to Rockville went. And uh, for anybody that wants to know, 
I had a lot of, I was down in Orlando and I had so many people texting and DMing. They were looking at my stories and they'd been there, right? I mean, it's a hot spot to go, especially if, well, it wasn't just the rides and everything. I mean, if Disney World, I keep saying Disneyland, Disney World in Orlando, Disneyland in Anaheim, but you know, it's just, so, the weather's so nice too. And it wasn't Disney World every day. We, we did that twice. We did Universal Studios, we did SeaWorld, and we did Volcano Bay. And that's part of Universal, but it's just awesome. A lot of rides and like, uh, on you know, a lot of water park rides, slides, and, and, and you get on the inflatables and stuff. But to, to be honest with you, we just loved hanging out at the beach part, going into the wave pool. And uh, just taking a break from what is the freezing cold Canadian winter. I suppose it builds some character. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, it was just great. And I'm going to give a shout-out to my old owner, David Warnker. 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 They say Warnker, but it's W-A-R-O-N-K-E-R. And him and his wife, Ruth, I hadn't seen them in 20 years. We won the championship in Orlando in 0304. It was a great time. So shout out to those guys for for Ruth and David for treating us so very well on the trip. Uh, much appreciated. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet five bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. Uh, I promised. And by the way, there's a gentleman out there, Paul. And Paul had some mental health issues. And I uh, was very open about it. We got talking. I didn't know Paul from Adam. He sent me a note. Anyway, we got chatting. And I, I want to just encourage Paul that... Uh, I'm proud of you, buddy, and uh, I know you're doing well, and uh, anyway, Paul asked me a few questions that are, are, that are uh, relevant to the podcast, so let's see, so uh, actually, Paul, I thought I had your questions here, and I missed them, anyway, I'm glad you're doing well. And I think, I think it was you who asked me why I think hockey is the toughest. What's the one thing that makes hockey the toughest sport? Well, first of all, I was talking physically and then by extension, mentally. You know, if something's real hard physically, it's going to be a bit of a mental battle. And a lot of people disagree with me, and that's fine. That's totally fine. Uh, 
I, I get how, and I'm talking about the four major sports, okay, like ultimate fighting and stuff. I mean, where the whole point is to knock the other person out. It's a little bit different. I'm talking North America. You know, you talk about a, a football, basketball, baseball, and hockey. Of course, whenever I say that, and I just consider those the four major team sports that all play in stadiums, you know, because people freak out sometimes. Well, there's race cars and there's fucking, you know, indoor football and there's uh, rugby. I, I get all of those things. I'm just saying the four major team sports, and let's just say whether you agree with that or not, I'm saying of football, hockey, baseball, and basketball, I think hockey is. Of course, football, you got big, huge men that, like, you know, linebackers hitting you coming through the middle. I'm sure that doesn't tickle. And that's obviously a very physical sport. Very physical. But I'll tell you, I don't know what to pick first, but hockey, we don't have an out of bounds. You're skating, first of all, so you're going faster. There is no out of bounds, man. So there's. When you get hit, you often take two hits because you're going against the You got a weapon in your hand, right? But people might say, well, you know, you get a penalty if you use it. No, not every time. A good defenseman in front of the net will cross check you in the fucking ribs up under there. I talk about bird dog. I'll tell you about gentle D. Like uh, Brad Brown could fight off the ice as a teddy bear. But if you went in, the, in, in front of the, you know, he's very, very tough. But if you went in front of the net with Brad, he wouldn't just like club you in the head like a caveman, like a goon. He'd wait, he'd wait, he'd wait, and, you know, put the stick right up by your kidneys under your ribs and give you a root. And a lot of people do that and did it and still do. Even now, I get it, I get it. People say, well, you know, the rough side of the game is going and people are candy asses now and it's all about Instagram. To a point, I think every, everything is going that way in a, to a degree, but don't tell me hockey's not still physical. Whenever I watch a game with people who haven't never seen the sport, they think, holy shit, Jesus, you guys are barbarians, right? And they say that watching this game today because there is still fights and there is still hits and you got that weapon in your hand and there's no out of bounds. And you play 82 fucking games. 82 games, not 17. The, foot, the playoffs in football is just, what's it, four, three or four games, depending if you get that first buy. Three or four games, which is not even a fucking series in hockey. You go hockey, you go if you if you win the Stanley Cup after eighty two after eight exhibition games and eighty two regular season games, there's ninety. Now add twenty eight more games onto that, possibly. Right? Usually at least twenty. You're not going to win four sweeps in a row being sixteen, right? So it's often twenty five. And at a, such a high pace and, you know, such a physical demand. That's why I think those things combined, that's why I think it's the toughest sport. I could be wrong. I'm obviously going to be biased towards my sport. Uh, I People laugh. When I had Josh Reddick on, some people said, well, you know, like baseball's not very – baseball is way underrated. you got to be mentally tough. 162 fucking games a year. you got 18 days off during the season. Are you fucking kidding me? Holy shit. Like, I find that absurd. Uh, and, you know, you might say you don't have to, you know, baseball isn't as physical. Okay. But think about stealing second base, for example. 
baseball is a lot of, and when, when a ball gets hit, you got to be re- reactionary. You don't have the puck, and you're not skating up the ice, and you know defense are kind of reacting to what you do. In baseball, um, regardless, offense and defense, right? You got to be more reactionary as a hitter. You got to try to obviously do what you can with the pitch you are given. Uh, same thing if you're in the field, right? You you don't know, but maybe it'll get hit to shortstop, maybe right field. But if it gets hit, you got to go from nothing to standing still to full sprint sometimes immediately. If you're stealing a base, you know, you're sedentary. You're, you're standing there. You might have a lead off, but, or a lead off, but you, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of zero to a hundred right away. Now, of course, I don't think baseball is as tough as hockey, but it's all relative. It's a completely different sport. And yeah, in basketball, there's way more going on under the rim than it might seem. I've always said that. These guys are huge. Battle for rebounds and everything else. On TV, it looks like nothing. Go to a game and just watch. And they play 82 games as well. And then, of course, you got football, which the physical element is obvious. But of all those things, yeah, that's just it. Now send me the hate mail if you want. I'm giving you my honest opinion. I think hockey is the hardest. Might not be the most popular of the four sports, but it's definitely the hard, toughest physically. I'll say that. ATR, what is your favorite album from the 1990s? My favorite album from the 1990s is Nirvana. No, what was the name of that? Nevermind, of course. Smells Like Teen Spirit was the lead single. It just... Yeah, I lived out west as that came and, 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 and went, that grunge movement. But it's not just because of that. I, I just think Nirvana, and that, that, that was, it was going to explode. There was grunge, alternate style, you know, Pearl Jam were bubbling under, Soundgarden, all that was out of Seattle, where I, and I played in Tri-City and Junior, which is not far from there. So I guess we had front row seats, so to speak, because we could just drive over and watch concerts in Seattle whenever we wanted. But it just, that album, when it hit, I was only 14, I believe. That album, when it hit, it pretty much canceled Big Hair 80s Rock. Pretty much. Now, if you're anywhere in the vicinity of my age or you're younger and younger and you follow music, remember that. And I, I, I think, I think the album that it, usurped to take over number one which it stood on for like half a year was Michael Jackson Dangerous which again it was Michael Jackson being Michael Jackson but for all of that that big hair that pop sound still would well the pop sound would remain I don't remember any big hair bands after that it pretty much you know I do Guns N' Roses kept going to a degree of course that's arguable uh, you know, the, the bands, I'm sure Poison kept playing. Uh, I don't know. Uh, God, who are some other? Skid Row. God, what am I doing? Losing my mind. Big hair, 80s. Motley Crue, yeah. So, so think of it. Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, Def Leppard, they all kept playing, Right. Um, to moderate success, but any of those that 
you know, what's the word? The the glam rock kind of big hair look that used to be cool was immediately, immediately overtaken and almost six months into the grunge era, that look was that that big hair look was laughable. Uh I remember Cobain saying he he really liked the Pixies and he was trying to write a a poppier album than the first one they had. And uh, I guess you could say it is, but it still got that grunge sound, and uh, it was for me the first to blow open the doors of a new kind of music. Uh, I often say the Beatles. You know, I love that the message was love and creativity, and there was a positive vibe around it and explosion. Now, with Nirvana, it was the opposite. Uh, it was almost like, well, what's we're here? Here we are now. Entertain us. Move over, you fucking baby boomers. Now we're here. What are you going to do about it? There was an angst involved with the whole approach and an almost, an almost, what's the word? Uh, this angst uh, for, that represented an entire generation. It wasn't just Kirk Cobain speaking. It wasn't just, you know, Bruce Springsteen talking about his girlfriend, Wendy, in, in Born to Run. It wasn't just, uh, you know, Michael Jackson talking about Billie Jean. Or, it, it, it was less introspective, even though I'm sure it was. You know, you're writing songs that are going to be, it comes from somewhere. But it was more to me, I felt like they were speaking for all of us. Whether you like it or hate it, we're here now, and we're taking over the scene, so go fuck yourself. That's kind of... Which is not a great message to, to wake up to every single day, but you know the world was changing, and there's ebbs and flows. And I think musically and sonically, even even though that vibe might have been a bit angry, it was still extremely creative, and it changed the world, whether you like it or not. So that would be it. Uh, okay. I'm just texting with Andrew Raycroft, and I'm going to have him on my pod. Like I said, I'm leaving tomorrow morning to go to Fort St. John. It would have been a bit of a battle to do it out there. I would have to take my computer. So I'm going to take off right now. I'm going to call Andrew, and we're going to do the interview today. I'll probably release it tomorrow. So this being Tuesday, I'll, uh, or this being Wednesday. Yeah, so if you're hearing this podcast, uh, expect, and it's Thursday, expect... Uh, Expect a brand new one featuring Andrew Raycroft on Friday. Man, I've just been rambling a lot. And for that, I apologize, but I'm sure you guys are used to it. Thanks for listening. And I'm looking forward to talking to Andrew. And by the way, thanks to Andrew Peters last week. Always have decent conversations with Andrew. If you're downtown St. John's, you want to go for a beer. You want to go to George Street, you want to check it out, go no further than, look no further than Trinity Pub, TJ's Pub, Green Sleeves Pub, Broadway Confusion, Martini Bar, and the Bull and Barrel. If you're going to go for a bite to eat, why not try Loose Tie, Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, and Wedgwood Cafe. Wedgwood Cafe also does catering. Strength and balance. If you want strength and balance for the body and mind, look no further than Ryan Power, Power Conditioning on Rope Walk Lane. Strength and balance for the body and mind. If you want to go to Mr. Lube, there's two locations in... St. John's, once Torbay Road, once Camel Road. Live, laugh, lube. True hockey, take what's yours. And of course, Pitbull Pain Relief, the pain sticks that just don't quit. Pitbullpainrelief.com. Check it out. See what all the fuss is about. Folks, I'll be back in just a couple of days. 
guess just a couple of hours with the man, former Calder Trophy winner, decade-long NHLer, an all-around good guy, Andrew Raycroft. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the rebound.